Glad to be back here with you. We've enjoyed our time visiting here and made some new friends, and we really appreciate that. Uh, I look a little bit different today. That's because I was walking out of the house in my shorts and my Hawaiian shirt with my go-aheads, and Ginger said, come back here. <laughs> it's good to be married. <laughs> This morning, we're going to look at the third of three psalms at the end of psalms uh, that I've clumped together with a little bit of a theme that uh, uh, our worship, like all of life, is by faith, faith in uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the unseen trinity, uh, present faith in the already. Um, uh, that we live in, not by sight, and uh, uh, faith in the not yet, in the, in the hope, uh, the future faith. And uh, so uh, we're going to take a look this morning uh, at uh, uh, the object of our faith that is Christ our victor. It has everything to do with the Lord's Supper, of course. And uh, so I invite you to turn with me to our scripture passage this morning, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings in chains and their nobles with fetters of fire, iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Father, we pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would be our guide, would be our illuminator, uh, would give us ears to hear and tongue to speak of the glory of Jesus, of the beauty of your power and your Spirit's work in this world, in, in, this, in our lives, in your church, which is beyond our comprehension and greater than we could think or imagine. We thank you today, Father, for your great love in uh, your condescension, in uh, revealing yourself to us in your word, and uh, thank you for Jesus, the author and the embodiment of your word. In his name we praise and thank you. Amen. If there was any uh, uh, doubt that this psalm was a celebration of victory, uh, you just would have to look at the last uh, half of the psalm and the, the verses there uh, about uh, uh, God uh, having a two-edged sword in his hands to execute vengeance on the nations. And anybody that's read the Bible at least once knows that the, this, this uh, uh, pre 
figures uh, Christ in uh, Revelation 19, who wields the sword as uh, the victor, and uh, over uh, sin and death and hell and Satan, and uh, that his is the final and ultimate definitive uh, victory for eternity. But there's more to see in this psalm that we want to start out with beginning at the, at the beginning. Uh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Uh, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, how many of you noticed that that's mentioned nine times in the Bible, the Old and New Testament? How many? Well, you need to go count those nine times up. You need to go look those up. Uh, they, uh, they give you sort of an overview of uh, how it's used. Its meaning is determined by how the word is used. Okay? So uh, go and look. But I'm going to tell you uh, that uh, just if, you, if you were to look just back to Psalm 144, you'd see that it's used again in re reference to uh, the Lord as the divine warrior, as our warrior king who uh, fights our battles for us, who achieves victory on our behalf, who does for us what we could not and would not do for ourselves. And uh, the same is true here overall in the context. It's a new song. Why is it a new song? Because there's a new victory. Because there's a new infusion of God's glory and revelation of his majesty. Because there's uh, uh, new eyes to see and new ears to hear. There's new joy. There's new repentance. There's new faith. All the new things you can possibly think of in the Christian life and in this world. Ultimately, there's a new heavens and a new earth, right? Ultimately. And they're all used differently, but they're also all connected. Now, this is a very, I think, a very individual matter uh, on the one hand, and it's a communal matter on the other. I think that a, a new song comes to us every time we have a daily drawing near and meeting with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit uh, in our private devotions and worship, uh, or, uh, you know, even listening to music, uh, uh, awakening our spirit and our soul in the car on the way to and from work, or while we're washing dishes, or if we got the earphones on while we're pushing the vacuum around. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses his word. Uh, now, you and I, when we pray, our words are addressed to God. And what are we doing when we sing? Our words are addressed to God. They both are prayer. Praise, thanksgiving, petition. Uh, one is put to music and one is not. And many of you, if not most of you, I wouldn't dare say how many, you have some sort of a song that you've made up in your head over the years that you go back to regularly, and it's not in the hymnal. Your mother and father didn't teach it to you. But it's a song in your head, it's a little music bug in your ear that the Holy Spirit taught you to praise him with. It's very personal, very private. I have one. Maybe you have one, maybe you don't. That's okay. But you know what I mean when you're going to leave here this morning, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and one of these hymns are going to be that bug in your ear. That's great. That's glorious. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's him cementing your worship this morning into the 
paying it forward to the next day. Hallelujah. That's something else. That's really amazing. Uh, you know, I talked in the first sermon about a theophany, that the, there is a, definitely a special revelation, a theophany that culminates in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. But there's also a God a theophany, if you define it as a manifestation of God's presence. Uh, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the, the firmament, the, 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 the majesty thereof. Uh, we, we see that God has his thumbprint upon every uh, created thing uh, around us and in us and uh, in front of us right now. Uh, we ought to be able to, uh, theoretically at least, uh, take a moment to uh, just meditate upon our own fleshly hand and think about what a blessing that is and how that manifests our Creator, God, and His glory and how that witnesses uh, to Him. So that Paul says, no one in this creation is innocent and be able to say, I don't know God. See, the proof for God is all around you. Life and breath and everything. God doesn't have to prove himself. He's self-evident. The question is, do I have the eyes to see and the ears to hear? And do I seek him for that purpose? We come to worship not what is unknown, but what is known. And we do that by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know why he gave that gift to me. I cannot know. Because his grace is not just unconditional, but his grace is the gift of faith that is despite my sinfulness. Despite it. So, we're back to looking at praising the Lord, singing to him a new song. This new song comes in, hopefully on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a yearly basis, a lifelong basis, and a, over the eon that is this middle age between Christ's first and second coming, which he has inaugurated the kingdom of glory but has not yet consummated the kingdom of glory. We reign with him now, but we don't yet reign with him now. We already reign with him in heavenly places, but we're not actually there yet in sight. And this is the new song, that we praise him in the assembly of the godly. And that's you, because of your faith union with Christ. You who are once in darkness, once a child of the devil, once dead in your trespasses and sin, once an enemy of God, are now a child of God, are now, re now reconciled to God, are now adopted into his family, and no longer an object of wrath, and no longer do you prefer darkness over light. But there is an inclination in your new heart for the new song of light and glory and Jesus who is the light of the world. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. That's the church. 
The true Israel is Jesus, and all those united to him are the true Israel. First the Jew and then the Gentile, but one of the mysteries is that it's both categories, as the Bible thinks about it. Both equal in the kingdom of God, Jews and Gentiles. Something that they didn't anticipate, something that they, 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 they couldn't figure out, something they didn't expect. They didn't expect Jews and Gentiles to worship together. But the victory, the shed blood of Jesus, was for Jew and Gentile, for the whole world. And it's freely offered in the preaching of the gospel. It's also freely offered, and uh, uh, Brad, Brad uh, uh, sort of introduced this for me this morning. We were, uh, we were thinking t along the same lines. You know, uh, doxological evangelism. That's what we're engaging in here this morning. Who is our witness to? Well, it's to each other. Uh, we need to point each other to Jesus in the body of Christ. If there are visitors here who don't know the Lord, we're pointing Jesus uh, to, uh, to them by our uh, uh, faith, uh, finding him as the object of our worship this morning. Uh, but also, Hebrews 1, uh, uh, Hebrews, oh, I'm not going to look it up. Hebrews 1 or 2. I wonder which is it. Jesus stands in the midst of the assembly, and he is the singing Christ. And he's not ashamed of us, his brethren. And he is here, especially as we think of it rightly in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that witness with him is against all the heavenly authorities. It's against all of those uh, unseen spirits. There are still demons who are in charge of cities in this world. Has their power been broken? Yes. Has it been eradicated? No. And uh, the devil is a defeated foe, but he's on a short change, chain, short leash. And he's already defeated, but not yet defeated in the same way. There's a consummate feet coming. So while we struggle to worship in this life where our sin has been broken but not yet, its reign of sin has been broken but not yet eradicated, we have this command for us here in this psalm. And it is an exhortation. Praise him. Sing to him. Rejoice in him. Why? Verse 4. Because the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. I'll just remind you again, we love him, we worship him, we adore him because he first loved us and he adores you. If he were to be asked, is this poor sinner one of yours? He'd say, yes he is. Yes she is. Isn't she or he beautiful? Aren't they objects of my grace? Aren't they molded and glorified by my love? Aren't they filled with my Holy Spirit as the temple of God wherein I dwell? These are mine, the apple of my eye, my elect, my chosen, 
who can take them out of the good shepherd's hand? No one. Not one. So the, he adorns the humble with salvation. You could also translate that word meek or afflicted or poor. And you don't have to be physically any of those things, but inwardly, you need to be needy. You need to be dependent. You need eyes of faith that look away from yourself, away from self's inner condition, away from self's uh, uh, environment, and away from the way other treat, others treat self. And live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Any Presbyterian want to squeak out an amen to that? Amen. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Excellent, excellent. Um, you know, let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. This is an exhortation. It's okay to sleep in if you're laying there praising the Lord. Although you might not praise him if you're late for work, so, you know, don't lay there too long. Or late for school, you know. So, uh, yeah, we praise him in the morning, we praise him in the evening, we praise him in between, praise him all the time. That's the normal Christian life. Anybody that doesn't have that joy and wants to know how to get it, I will tell you right now. Run to Jesus by faith and confess to him, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Get my eyes of faith fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Get your eyes off of your belly button spiritually. Get your eyes off of your problem-centeredness and look to Jesus. What's his victory? His victory is, are, is contained in these words. It is finished. As we remember his death, his body and his blood in the sacrament and in the elements today, we remember that this was once and for all. Once and forever. We do not believe that the Christian life, as far as being right with God is concerned, is a process. It's declared. And Jesus declared the victory. It is finished. Now, is my sanctification finished? No, it's a process. And it's progressive. Quit looking at your sanctification and look at Jesus who is your sanctification. He is your holiness. He is your perfection. I don't know if there's anybody in this room that's a perfectionist, but you need to repent. You need Jesus. You don't need to try harder or do better in the Christian life. You need Jesus. And you know what? You'll try harder and do better. <laughs> when he's your treasure, all you want to do is spend it. 
in worship, that's doxological, evangelistic, the freedom, the joy of the children of God is in everything that this scripture here, all the others, define for us. The freedom to praise God, to know that we're accepted by him in the beloved. Oh, I got to say amen to that. That's good stuff. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. There's the, the warfare. What are we supposed to do with all of this wonderful freedom and praise and thanksgiving? Well, we are to be on our guard. While we recognize that Christ is our victory, that there is no resurrection, no, no uh, ascension, uh, no final consummation without the cross. The only reason he came in, in incarnation is for the cross. The centrality of the cross, my brothers and sisters. Don't lose sight of it. Don't be misled. It is the cross that is our victory. And yes, we are united to Christ and all those benefits. Certainly. 100%. But none of it's there without Jesus. Who reigns, listen to this carefully, reigns on the cross in suffering. He reigns on the cross in suffering. And that's how your Christian life goes. You reign with him and live by faith in that while you live in the suffering of this beautiful but broken world. That's what the Jews could not accept, did not expect, that there would be a Messiah that would die, that there would be a Son of Man who would die. Ah, sure, yeah, he's going to die. That he would die as a substitute righteousness, as a wrath bearer, as, as the sacrificial Lamb of God. They had no clue. And they rejected it. Oh, sure. You're telling me this guy died a thief's murderer's, criminal's death on a cross? That he reigned to achieve his victory for us? And over death and hell and Satan? On the cross at Calvary? Foolish. Stupid. I'm my own self-salvation project, and I don't need that kind of crud. Did you ever say that? I said that. I didn't become a Christian until I was 17. My parents were Christian uh, a couple years before that. Oh, there are moments where I just hated my mom for telling me about Jesus. I was furious. There but for the grace of God go I. But the, the Lord came and he, he, his grace conquered me. And it's still conquering me. I have not arrived. I have a long way to go. I've only been a Christian 48 years. Yeah, you talk to some of the others of us baby boomers. We'll tell you. we got a long way to go. 
That's part of the humility the Lord gives to his people. Is the older you get, the more you know what you don't know. Mostly what you don't know is him. And relying on his grace and trusting his mercy. For our daily bread and anything else. This psalm talks about the warfare of the Lord on our behalf. But I just want to close as we go to the Lord's Supper by reminding you that the honor of warfare is also ours. If you haven't read Paul's words in uh, Ephesians lately, uh, maybe you need to be reminded perhaps of uh, the, the weapons of our warfare, the, the armor uh, that uh, God gives us from his own arsenal that he dresses us in. He gives us the word of God as the sword. He, he gives us prayer. He, he gives us the shield of faith. And um, We need to be ready. We need to be on guard. The result of all of this uh, at the tail end of things is that we engage in our own spiritual warfare, doing God's work God's way. By faith. So let's worship and let's partake of these elements and draw near to God, not by sight, but by faith. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord.